Welcome to episode 17 of College Sports Today here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. As always, this is Hamilton Neal here joining you. We thank you as always for taking the time to listen. We thank you as always for taking the time to join us. It's February 25th of 2022. We got a ton of stuff going on right now in sports. We got another big show on the way. We're very excited to bring it here to you. Coming up in segment number one, we're going to talk Lenore Ryan sports. We'll have news with Bears men's and women's basketball. Big time in the season for both of those squads. Some very important games. We'll talk about all of that. We'll go into some baseball news. They're off to a hot start to their 2022 season. Softball doing well also. We'll talk track and field and also women's golf as well. That's coming up in segment one with LR News. In our second segment, we'll talk some men's basketball recruiting news. Top 2022 prospect has announced his commitment. Another top 2023 prospect getting closer to a possible decision as well. And in our third segment, we're going to be talking men's and women's college basketball. Basketball, as always, with our top five games of the week. A lot of the top teams in the country getting top wins, and a lot of these teams now pushing for NCAA tournament position. That's going to be very exciting. Again, that's coming up in segment number three. But again, we're going to start with segment one and talk Lenoran Athletics first. The Lenoran men's basketball team continued their late season surge with a blowout victory over Mars Hill on Saturday afternoon, 92-71 at Shufer Gymnasium to win their sixth game in their last seven contests. Lenoran hit eight threes in the first half on six 16 attempts and held Marcel to just 2 of 11 from long range and route to a 42-30 lead at the half. A late 14-1 run at the 6-minute mark of the second half sealed the victory for the Bears. Three players scored in double figures for LR, led by 27 points from TJ Nesmith who went 10 of 17 from the field and 7 of 8 from the free throw line. Nesmith exploded with 24 of his 27 points in the second half. Nas Tyson added 21 points and was a perfect 4 for 4 in the second half. Tyson also had 5 assists as well. Jalen Johnson chipped in 15 points and 4 assists, while Tim Steele had 8 points and only missed one shot on the night. Mars Hill was led by 17 points from Isaiah Johnson. The Lions also got a double-double from point guard Caden Dawkins, who finished with 13 points and 10 assists. In the last home game of the season, the sixth-ranked Queens Royals used a huge first half to cruise to a 27-point victory over Lenore Ryan. Prior to the game, LR celebrated senior night and honored seniors Kevin Kangu and Tyson McClain. Queens was scorching in the first half, shooting 55.8% from the field and knocking down seven three-pointers. Thanks to that hot shooting, Queens ran out to a 52-25 halftime lead and never looked back. Quan McClooney led the Royals with 18 points and went 5 of 10 from the three-point line. Kenny Dye was superb, going for 16 points, 7 assists, and 5 rebounds. And Jamari Smith had 16 points and 5 boards as well. LR was paced by 21 points from reigning South Atlanta Conference Player of the Week, TJ Nesmith, who missed just two shots from the field. Nas Tyson was the only other Baron double figures with 10 points. He also added 6 rebounds and 6 assists. The Lenoran women's basketball team cruised to a 75-47 home win against Mars Hill on Saturday at Shuford Gymnasium. The Bears have now won 18 straight games in Hickory against Mars Hill. Brandy Hudson led all scorers with 21 points on 9 of 11 shooting on the afternoon. Tata McBride, Hannah McClung, and Alyssa Wagner were honored on senior day before the game. This win was number 150 for head coach Graham Smith. Brandy Hudson and Emily Harmon combined for 43 points, including the last 14 for the Bears down the stretch to help LR hold on to beat Lincoln Memorial 79-72 in a pivotal South Atlantic Conference matchup inside Shuford Gymnasium on Monday night. Harmon just missed a double-double, finishing with 22 points and 9 rebounds. 18 of Harmon's 22 points came in the second half. 
Hudson finished with 21 points and four assists. This is her third straight game scoring 21 points and her 18th straight game in double figures. Blakely Crooks added 14 points as the sophomore hit double digits for the second straight contest. And on Wednesday evening, the team used a big third quarter to run away from Queens 77-61 in their home finale. LR outscored Queens 25-8 in the third quarter. Blakely Crooks had 18 points, and Alyssa Wagner had 16 to set career high in points on the evening. The Bears will head into their season finale in a tie for eighth place, and they're supposed to make next week's South Atlantic Conference Tournament. The Bears swept the season series from Queens this year and won their fifth straight against the Royals. With Tusculum's loss to Virginia Wise and this Bears win, LR is now tied for eighth in the South Atlantic Conference with the Pioneers, with just one game to go on the season. The Bears will travel on Saturday to Newberry, who sits one game ahead of the Bears in sixth place, tied with Virginia Wise. The Bears finished the season 7-7 seven and seven at home and have now finished 500 or above at home for the fifth consecutive season. LR is 11-14 overall, 10-13 in South Atlantic Conference play. They will be at Newberry Saturday to finish their season with a win. They will get into the South Atlantic Conference tournament. The 24th-ranked Lenorine baseball team scored all eight of its runs in the seventh inning and got a gem on the mound from Tanner Moyers to beat Bluefield State 8-1 in a midweek non-conference matchup at Durham Field. Wade Kuda hit another home run for his D2 leading eighth of the year, and the Bears racked up 13 more strikeouts on the mound in the win. LR has now won 10 straight contests, and their 13-1 start is the best since 1962. The Bears are ranked 24th in this week's NCBWA poll, the first time the Bears have been ranked since 2017. The 10-game win streak ties the longest win streak since 2015, and for head coach Chris Ramirez, this was his 51st win as head coach at LR. The third-year coach is now 51-30 and at the helm of the Bears. The Lenoran softball team swept a doubleheader from visiting LeMoyne on Monday afternoon to finish with a perfect 8-0 homestand. Lauren Rakes struck out a career-high 16 in the shutout, and Caitlin Rackard and Julia Mardigian hit their first career home runs. In the finale, Cassidy Wall recorded her first career two-home run game as LR needed just five innings to complete the sweep. The Bears took game one by a score of three to nothing and game two by a score of 10 to two in only five innings. The Bears are 10 and five overall. They've won eight games in a row. Their next game is Friday versus Kutztown at the Patriot Invitational. The Lenoran track and field team separated this weekend with a few athletes traveling to Columbia, South Carolina to compete in the USC Indoor Open at South Carolina on Friday and a larger group competing in the JDL DMR Invitational in Winston-Salem on Saturday. These were the last events of the indoor season before the South Atlantic Conference Indoor Championships at JDL next Saturday and Sunday. In a field of mostly Division I teams in Columbia, Mike Kreischer was the highest finisher for the Bears, finishing fourth in the pole vault. Jacob Wadsworth finished 18th in the 200-meter dash. Marlon Davis finished 14th in the 400-meter dash. And Pearl Ballard and Lacey Triplett finished 11th and 12th, respectively, in the women's pole vault. At JDL, school record holder Lewis Budgen finished in sixth place in the 3,000 meters. In the women's field events, Destiny Destiny Gayton finished 5th in the high jump, Saria Hall finished 10th in the long jump, and Savannah Nippa also slotted 8th in the weighted throw. In the men's field events, Cameron McDaniel was 3rd in the triple jump, and Dalton Hatley was 4th in the shot put. The Bears will now gear up for the South Atlantic Conference Indoor Championships at JDL on Saturday and Sunday, and the Lenoran women's golf team traveled to Hilton Head, South Carolina for the battle at Hilton Head Invitational and finished in 8th place. The Bears moved 6 spots up from the standings between days 1 and 2, and finished with a final total of 637 plus 61. That was four shots behind UNC Pembroke and five shots behind Mount Olive and Lincoln Memorial, who tied for fifth. Freshman Marta Cervero paced the Bears individually, finishing tied for eighth with a score of 152. She shot 72 even in the second round with four birdies, two bogeys, and one double bogey. 
Beatriz Espelosin finished 23rd, shooting a 158. She was followed by Eleni Diaku in 68th, and Katie Sibley, who tied for 73rd, and Megan Robb shot one under 71 on day two. Robb's second round 71 was tied for the lowest round of the day, a day in which she had two birdies, one bogey, and 15 pars. The Bears will stay in the Palmetto State next week when they travel to Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, to compete in the low-tide intercollegiate at Dunes West Golf Club. Again, that's a ton of stuff going on right now at Lenore Ryan. Tons of spring sports getting started. Some of the winter sports still going on, like men's and women's basketball. And it's such a critical time in the season for both of the LR men's and women's basketball squads. First, let's talk about LR men's basketball. Let's talk about the good first. And that came on Saturday in the 92-71 win at Schufer Gym against Mars Hill. This team was hot scoring, hot shooting all the way through, paced by TJ Nesmith, 10 of 17 from the floor, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, 27 points on the game, 24 of those 27 in the second half. Give Mars Hill credit. They did a good job in the first half of holding him down and limiting what he could do. But in the second half, LR started to play through him. They started to play inside and out. That allowed Nas Tyson to get some open jump shots. He had 21 points. 4 of 4 in the second half. He had 5 assists as well. Jalen Johnson had a good game with 15. And Tim Steele, one of the glue guys for LR, 8 points, only missed one shot for the game. And for Mars Hill, very much a struggle, some 17 points for Isaiah Johnson, their top player. Caden Dawkins did finish with 13 and 10 assists as well. But this was LR's game. 42-30 lead at the half. They again finished it off with a 92-71 win. And then against number six Queens, it just became really, really tough to sustain anything. 27-point victory for Queens. They had a 52-25 lead at half. The problem for LR at times this season has been getting off to hot starts. They did it against Mars Hill, but they couldn't do it here against Queens. This is the number six team in Division II college basketball, a team that is in the mix to potentially win a national championship this year. Quan McClooney had 18, Kenny Dye 16, 7, and 5, Jamari Smith had 16 points and 5 rebounds. All of those guys contributed to the large amount of success that Queens had in this basketball game, and they were doing whatever they wanted in that first half. They shot 55.8% from the floor, 7 threes just in that first half alone, and for LR, they were only 1 of 15 from the three-point line. But despite the loss, they're still in the mix to get into the South Atlantic Conference Tournament. But they have to win against Newberry on Saturday. That's a road contest. At this point, LR can't climb higher than 7th in the South Atlantic Conference standings. If they're going to get in, they're going to be the number 8 seed. Same kind of situation right now for the LR women's basketball team who have won their last three games. They're building some momentum and they're building some confidence. Mars Hill on Saturday, Senior Day, 75-47 win. Brandy Hudson, as usual, leading the way, 21 points, super efficient, 9 of 11 shooting for the game. Tatum McBride, Hannah McClung, Alyssa Wagner, all honored on senior day. Those three had really, really good games. McBride doesn't get a lot of playing time, but knocked down some threes. But again, it starts and ends with Brandy Hudson and Emily Harmon. They combined for 43 in the Lincoln Memorial win, and those two really just worked off of each other, played really well. And then Blakely Crooks had 14, had double digits for the second straight game, and then she made it three straight games in double figures in the win against Queens. 18 points. Alyssa Wagner had 16. This was a game that was very, very close at times. Queens was really hanging around there. But LR had a 25 to 8 third quarter. Again, I repeat, a 25 to 8 third quarter. Whenever you can make that type of run and sustain that over long periods of time, you're going to have great success and you're going to have a great chance to win. Despite that, Queens in the fourth quarter still came back, still tried to make that push. But Brandy Hudson closed it out. Emily Harmon had some clutch plays. They get the season sweep of Queens. Now they're in a tie for eighth right now. Tusculum lost to UVA Wise. 
LR and Tusculum, again, are tied for eighth in the conference standings. Tusculum has one game to go. So does LR. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that game plays out for LR at this point. It's just going to be about controlling what you can control. And that's this game against Newberry. Can't control what Tusculum does. Whatever happens with them is going to happen. But all LR can do is come out and win this game and try to get to 12 and 14 overall and 11 and 13 in the South Atlantic Conference. And this will be a de facto postseason game for them. And this is something that I talked about with Anthony Brown when we were doing the Queens broadcast. It's that that game was a de facto postseason contest just because of the implications and that if they lost, they would have been out of the mix for the conference tournament more than likely in this Newberry game. Same set of circumstances. You win, you're in the conference tournament. If you lose, then you're looking at your season ending at that point with that basketball game. So huge, huge stuff coming up this weekend for the LR men's and women's basketball teams as they will both be at Newberry. The LR baseball team off to an incredible start, 13-1, and best start since 1962. They're now ranked 24th in the country. First time they've been ranked in the top 25 since 2017. The softball team is off to a great start to their 2022 season as well at 10-5, and winners of eight games in a row. Doing some good things there with that sweep of LeMoyne. Cootstown coming up. Really excited to see what they do there at the Patriot Invitational. The track and field team's doing some great things as well at the USC Indoor Open. At the JDL DMR Invitational, we talked about all the big names. Jacob Wadsworth, Lewis Budgen, Cameron McDaniel, and the Triple Jump did some great things. South Carolina Conference Indoor Championships coming up Saturday and Sunday at JDL, so definitely stay tuned for that. And the LR Women's Golf Team at Hilton Head, South Carolina for the battle at Hilton Head. Eighth place finish there. Really excited to see what that team does. Again, their next event coming up is the Low Tide Intercollegiate at Dunes West Golf Club in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. So they're going to stay there, compete a little bit more there in SC. The men's golf team will also be in South Carolina coming up, competing next week. So that is all of what we have right now going on at Lenore Ryan, and that's not even everything. I talk about it every single week. we got to be very selective in what we go over because there's so much happening. There are so many sports competing right now. There's still tennis going on. There's swimming, and we'll get to that stuff coming up very soon, we promise you. But tonight, we went over news for men's and women's basketball, baseball, softball, track and field, and women's golf as well. That'll wrap up segment number one of the show. Coming up in segment two, we'll talk some college basketball news as a top 2022 prospect has announced his commitment to a Big East school and a 2023 five-star is taking a pair of official visits with his recruitment really starting to heat up. You're not going to want to miss it. That's coming up on the other side of this break. You're listening to College Sports Today on WLRZ and 99.3 FM. We'll be right back. We are back here on the show, again, talking college basketball and some recruiting news. We have not talked a whole lot about recruiting of late, simply because the high school season has been going on and the college programs are out on the floor playing right now. And 
while the coaching staffs really just haven't had time to recruit. But we have a little bit to talk about here tonight, and we're going to start by talking to 2022 four-star shooting guard Zion Cruz. He has announced his commitment to the DePaul Blue Demons. He's ranked 38th overall at number two at the shooting guard position, and he's the number seven player in the state of California, according to 247 Sports. He chose the Blue Demons over Memphis, Georgia, Western Kentucky, and Xavier, among many others. He joins junior college transfer KT Ramey in DePaul's 2022 recruiting class. Standing six foot five, he has quick burst, a great first step, creates space to shoot the basketball with a pull-up jumper, and that's something that he really loves to do. He can handle the basketball, great crossover, consistent three-point shot as well. He needs work on the defensive end, but I think that will come with time. He's still growing as a player. He's still very young. Even though he is a senior in high school right now, he's still very young. He's still developing. And this is something that I've talked about a lot on the show over previous weeks when we've talked about recruits. It's that most of the time, the recruits have it on the offensive end to start, and then they have to develop that defense. Sometimes you see a recruit here and there that's just rock solid on the defensive end, and they're elite on that side of the basketball, and they have great two-way ability. I don't think Zion Cruz is that two-way guy yet. I don't think he's there quite yet on the defensive end, but I think he is continuing to get better at utilizing the size and the length that he has. Remember, at six foot five, he can guard not only two players, but three players as well. Those small forwards are going to see a lot of him on the defensive end as well. Offensively, we mentioned those things that he does well, creating space with that pull-up jump shot from the mid-range area. He's a good three-point shooter. Sometimes he settles for the three, and sometimes his shot selection is a little bit poor, but with a shooter as consistent as he can be, you just got to feel good about him staying confident and taking that shot. He has good handles, like I mentioned. He can cross you up. He can get inside a little bit. Still building that strength. He's still working on becoming more of an inside threat as well. Obviously, if you're playing the shooting guard position, you're probably not going to be driving too much. You're really going to be hanging out on the perimeter at the three-point line, but it is important for two guards to have that versatility. Maybe have a little floater, try to get some angles there driving, and I think he's getting better in that regard. He's now playing out in California. He's now number seven in the state of CA, number two at the shooting guard spot, number 38 overall. He's taken a dip in the 247 sports rankings considerably over the last year or so. He was once rated as a five-star prospect, one of the best in the entire nation. And like we talked about a while back here on this show with Richard Isaacs, who's also in this 2022 class, who's really dropped in the 247 sports rankings. I think Cruz has taken a similar fall, but I don't think it's justified. I think he really is a top 30 player. And I think by the time that he's done with this high school season, he is going to be a top 25 player. At least in my mind, he's a top 25 player in this class. But again, he's ranked at 38 right now in the 247 sports rankings and definitely a guy that will make huge impact there at DePaul. If we know anything about this DePaul program, it's that they've been struggling to bring in high-level recruits and still struggling to win. They got rid of Dave Lato. They now have Tony Stubblefield, who came over from Oregon, and he's done a good job at doing some good, solid recruiting and stuff like that, but they've still struggled in Big East play, and they've struggled to really find that consistency from game to game. And, you know, Tony's going to get a lot of time because this program has been struggling for so long. They're going to give him time to try to make it work. And that's what you got to do with any coach, you know, who's being a head coach for the first time, someone who is really just trying to grow into the job. He's a guy who can help build this program up 
to a point where they can at least be winning consistently, have that winning record, be in the mix for NCAA tournaments. This program isn't even at that point right now where they're even a bubble team. This is a squad that's really struggled, again, to find the identity and to put the pieces together. They have talent on that team, and they've really had some good talent last three, four years, but it just hasn't come together for them. It just hasn't come together with wins and losses. So maybe Zion Cruz is the guy to help get that going. Get a highly rated recruit like this. It's huge for your program. And a guy in the backcourt who, again, can just get some points, some easy buckets for you early on. Another guy who knows a thing or two about buckets is Jared McCain, 2023 five-star shooting guard. One of the most talked about players in the entire country, regardless of class. He's taken two official visits to Duke and to Gonzaga. He tripped to Durham back on February the 6th and then was at Gonzaga on February the 12th. So in the span of about a week there, he was at Duke and at Gonzaga. Both of those schools, along with UCLA, USC, Houston, Louisville, and Texas Tech, are all in the mix at this point. But really, I think it does come down to Duke, Gonzaga, and UCLA. Those other schools in there, I think, are just kind of filling out this list. And he wants to cut it down to about four schools coming up. And I do believe that those four will be Duke, Gonzaga, UCLA, and probably USC. You know, we haven't seen much come out with Houston, except the fact that they've had some coaches there seeing some of his games. Louisville doesn't have a head coach right now. They don't have an athletic director. Their program is in shambles at this point. So I don't think there's any way they'll even be considered past this point. And, you know, Texas Tech could be in the mix. They're number nine in the country right now. They're a good, solid program. Mark Adams has them back at that elite level. But really look forward to come down to Duke, Gonzaga, UCLA, and maybe Texas Tech or USC. One of those two. That's kind of what I'm predicting at this point. Currently, he's rated number 23 in the class overall, number two at the shooting guard spot, and number three in the state of California. And the thing that makes him so coveted at that shooting guard spot is not only his release on his jump shot and he's lights out and money from behind the arc, but he's a fluid passer as well. And he has that element to his game that most shooting guards don't in that they have that vision. They can find people consistently. As much as he loves to score the basketball, he is a good passer and a willing passer as well. And he's tough in the paint while he's driving. And I think that's something that we were just talking about with Zion Cruz is that he doesn't have as much of that two-way ability or as much of that strength to drive into the paint. Jared McCain has that in his game. So he's multifaceted. He's versatile on the offensive end, but his calling card is his three-point shooting. And that's what he's going to bring to one of these programs. At the very end, I think it'll come down to Duke and Gonzaga. He was floored by the Gonzaga official visit. He also was very impressed by the Duke official visit as well. He did take an unofficial to UCLA, but no OV yet, no official visit at this point. So look for Duke and Gonzaga really to be the two down to the very end. I think UCLA will be in that mix as well because they're in-state and because they've just had so much success recruiting five-star in-state recruits. So Jared McCain's recruitment going to be very, very interesting coming up, not only just over the spring and over the summer, but just looking ahead to the fall. And into next spring, I think that's when we're going to see a decision because I really don't think he's ready to make a decision anytime soon. Sometimes we see juniors make that decision the summer before their senior year, the fall before their senior year. Sometimes it can drag out all the way into past their senior season, just months before they have to be on a college campus. So look at those couple of schools, Duke and Zag UCLA as the ones, as the, the leaders in the clubhouse right now for Jared McCain, who again is one of the most coveted recruits in the class of 2023. And just like I talked about with Zion Cruz, I think McCain is very underranked at this point at number 23. I think he is definitely a top 20 player. 
the caliber of a top 15 player. I think we just want to see more consistency from him on the defensive end, just like we talked about with Cruz. And uh, at that point, then we're really going to see him rise in the final rankings coming up, especially next spring when those final rankings come out for 2023. So that's what's going on in the world of basketball recruiting right now. Again, just a little bit going on here and there, not too much. Like I said on one of the previous episodes, we are going to have more coming up into the spring and obviously into the summer with AAU ball and stuff. So obviously continue to keep your eye on the recruiting stuff. And while it's limited right now, it's definitely due to pick up for sure. So that's all that we have here in segment number two. We'll continue talking college basketball after this short break in segment number three with our men's and women's top five games of the week. We have tons of great games to talk about. You're not going to want to miss it. That's coming up next on College Sports Today on WLRZ 99.3 FM. back into College Sports Today, episode number 17. We're heading into the final frame of our show here tonight, where we're going to be talking at college basketball and our NCAA men's and women's top five games of the week. As always, we bring this final segment to you with great matchups, with great stuff to talk about, tons of storylines, especially at this time of the year, because we're looking at NCAA tournament projections and outlook. And that's something that I talked a lot about last week. And that's going to continue until the tournament field is set. And that's coming up about under a month from now. March Madness will be starting. But before we get to that point, we got to get through the end of the regular season and get through the conference tournaments as well. So we're going to start with our NCAA men's top five games of the week and start with two games on Saturday, February 19th. First, 18th ranked Arkansas took down number 17 Tennessee by score 58 to 48. For Arkansas, J.D. Note had 13 points to lead the way. Jalen Williams also had 13 points. He added 16 rebounds as well. Audis Tony was very close to a double-double himself. He had 8 points and 10 rebounds. For Tennessee, Zakai Ziegler had 12, and Kennedy Chandler had 11. Second-ranked Arizona took down Oregon by 3, 84-81. Benedict Matherin led the way with 24 points. Azalis Tublis had 14. Dalen Terry had 13. Pele Larson had 11, and Christian Coloco had 10. For Oregon, Will Richardson led the way with 22 points, Quincy Gurrier had 21, and Nefali Dante had a double-double of 13 points and 15 rebounds. Arizona in this contest had 22 assists on 31 made field goals. On Monday, February 21st, number 22 Ohio State bounced back from a loss against Iowa to take down Indiana by a score of 80-69. to For the Buckeyes, Malachi Branham had 27 points to lead the way, EJ Liddell had 16, and Eugene Brown III had 10 as well. For Indiana, Xavier Johnson had 16, Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis both had 13 points and 9 rebounds as well. 
On Tuesday, February 22nd, number 21 UConn took down number 8 Villanova 71-69. Leading the Huskies was Adama Sinogo. He had 20 points. Isaiah Whaley and RJ Cole were also in double figures with 13 and 12 respectively. For Villanova, Colin Gillespie had 17 points. Brandon Slater had 15. Jermaine Samuels had 13. And Justin Moore had 12. And finally, the number seven Duke Blue Devils took down Virginia by a score of 65-61 on the road, avenging an earlier season loss to the Cavaliers in Durham. Leading Duke was Jeremy Roach. He had 15 points. A.J. Griffin had 13, as did Trevor Kills. Paulo Bencaro and Wendell Moore only had 12 points combined in this contest. Both really struggled. The play of Roach, Griffin, and Kills, very, very critical in this win for Duke. For the Cavaliers, on the other hand, Kihei Clark had 25. Jaden Gardner had 16. Reese Beekman also in double figures with 11 points as well. With that, those are NCAA men's basketball top five games of the week. And in all of those games... Tons of big tournament implications. And the first one I want to talk about is with the Arkansas Razorbacks and Tennessee Volunteers. This is a Tennessee team we talked about last week as surging and emerging. And that's a phrase that I've used quite a bit here on this show the last couple of weeks. Surging and emerging. That's what we were talking about with Tennessee until this game hit. They had just come off a win against the Kentucky Wildcats, who were ranked fourth at the time of that contest. And now they fall here to Arkansas, again, by score 58-48. to They struggled offensively all game long. They shot only 27.1% from the floor. Arkansas didn't do much better. They were 30.5% from the floor. Tennessee won the rebounding edge, but they had 15 turnovers to only 10 for Arkansas. And if you're turning the basketball over like they are, and you're only shooting 27.1% from the floor, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to win the basketball game. And Tennessee just couldn't get it done. And that's why I can't trust this team going into the SEC tournament and into the NCAA tournament. This is a team that could very well be bounced in the second round of the tournament. There may be a Sweet 16 team. You know, if they put it together, if they can really make something happen, they could get to a Sweet 16, maybe do something while they're there. But If they continue to post performances like this, I'm not going to be confident about them going into the tournament. And nor am I confident or too, too confident about Arkansas. But the thing I like about them is they're very gritty on the defensive end. And even if they're not shooting as well, like in this game, only 30.5% from the floor, they still find ways to win. And the personnel really fits their style. J.D. Note is not a star guard by any means, but he's consistent. He's rock solid. He's really just made for the system. And he's a really good fit there. Jalen Williams, double-double machine, 13 and 16. Audis Tony, pit transfer, very versatile. Eight points, 10 rebounds, had a near double-double there. So really like what I'm seeing from Arkansas right now. Ohio State bounced back, good win against Indiana. Malachi Branham, 27 points to lead the way. And the reason that's important is because often when we talk about Ohio State, we talk about EJ Liddell led the way with X amount of points. Here he had 16 points, didn't have as big of a stat line. So for Malachi Branham, a freshman to step up and have that type of game, huge for Ohio State. Because if EJ Liddell has to carry them every single game, this team won't go too far in the NCAA tournament. They want to make a deep run. Liddell has to be outstanding, but they got to have other guys contributing like Branham, like Eugene Brown, who stepped up here as well, among many others, Kyle Young, etc. Zed Key is a very big part of the squad on the inside. So if this Ohio State team is going to make a run, they got to do what they did in this game against Indiana. Indiana very much on the bubble right now, 16 and 10 basketball team. Same situation really with Oregon, 17 and 10 squad. They are had a huge opportunity to get a win there against number two, Arizona. Just didn't happen for them. Arizona's too balanced and too high scoring, too connected on the offensive side. Matherin at 24, 
Tublish 14, Terry 13, Larson with 11, Coloco with 10. That's five guys in double figures. If you have five guys scoring in double figures, game in and game out, you're going to have a great chance to win. And they're one of the best assist teams in the entire country. They had 22 assists on 31 made field goals, as I mentioned earlier. And you play that connected. You play in unison like that. That's why Arizona can win a national championship this year. They really are not too far off from Gonzaga right now, who's the number one team. I think Arizona at times has looked like the best team in the country. And I'm going to say right now, in my opinion, they are the best team in college basketball because of the way they're connected offensively, because of all the things that I just mentioned. And Benedict Matherin is a guy who has that takeover element to his game. He can consistently make things happen inside, outside. He's such a threat for them. And I'm really excited to see what Arizona does from here. Again, number two in the nation. And UConn got a huge win there against Villanova. Sonogo, Whaley, RJ Cole, all of those guys have been a huge part of the squad this year. Again, their backcourt hasn't done as much at times. They did here in this game, but it really does start on the interior with Adama Sonogo. He's really that guy that anchors them. He also had six rebounds here in this contest as well. And that's really a landmark win for UConn because you take down a top 10 Villanova team. That's a team they haven't beaten consistently in recent years, especially since coming back into the Big East Conference. Most teams have had trouble beating that Villanova squad. Again, who is still ranked eighth in the country. I don't think they're nearly that good at this point. UConn, I think, is better than their ranking. I don't think Villanova is. And the Duke Blue Devils also surging as well. Bounce back win there against Virginia. The biggest thing for Duke here in this contest was Bancaro and Moore only had 12 points combined. And you had Jeremy Roach step up and have 15 points. A.J. Griffin played almost 30 minutes, had 13 points. Trevor Keels had 13 as well. And I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. When A.J. Griffin plays, and plays a lot for this Duke team, they're going to win. And they're much better because of him. I believe he played like 24 minutes here in this game. And, you know, if you're Coach K, playing between 25 and 30 minutes a game. And you're going to have a much better opportunity to win every game that you play because he's another versatile guy, 6'7", 6'8", can shoot the jump shot, can play inside as well. And uh, that's a player to watch, A.J. Griffin. He's the X factor. I think if Duke wants to win the title this year, it'll be because of the play. Obviously, they've been Caro and more, but X factor glue guys like A.J. Griffin, who is like really, in my opinion, like a star glue guy. Same thing with Trevor Kills. Both of those guys, they're not the leading scorer on this Duke team but they play a very huge part in their success. So those are our top five games of the week on the men's side of things. In NCAA women's basketball, we go back to Saturday, February 19th and start with number 21, Iowa. They got a 96-91 win over number 10, Indiana. Monica Sonono had 22 points to lead the Hawkeyes. McKenna Warnock had 21. Caitlin Clark had 18 points and 12 assists. Kate Martin had 13 and Gabby Marshall had 10 as well. On Sunday, February 20th, top-ranked South Carolina took down number 16, Tennessee, 67-53. For the Gamecocks, Aliyah Boston had 16 points, 12 rebounds. Sia Cook had 12 points. Destiny Henderson had 11 as well. For Tennessee, Ray Burrell had 14 points to lead. Jordan Walker had 11. Tamari Key also in double figures with 10. Big stat from this game was 59-38. South Carolina won the rebounding battle, and they also forced 14 turnovers as well. Number eight, LSU, 66-61 over number 15, Florida. Leading the Tigers was Alexis Morris, former Baylor Bear. Former Rutgers guard had 20 points. Autumn Newby had 13. For Florida, Nina Rickards had 17. Kiara Smith had 13. That's a really good Florida team, but again, that's a surging and emerging LSU squad. Second-ranked Stanford took down number 25, Oregon, 66-62. Haley Jones led the Cardinal with 18 points. 
Kiki Irofin had 11. Cameron Brink had 8 points and 3 rebounds as well. For Oregon, Tahina Peopeo had 23 to lead. Sydney Parrish had 13. And Adia Rogers had 10 points as well. And on Wednesday, February 23rd, 7th ranked UConn clinched another Big East regular season title with a 69-38 win over Marquette. Avina Westbrook had 17 points to lead the charge. AZ Fudd had 13. Aliyah Edwards and Olivia Nelson-Nadota had 10 points apiece as well. UConn in this game won the rebounding battle 32-28. They forced 22 Marquette turnovers and shot a comfortable 50.9% from the floor. And this is a UConn team, guys, right now that we've really started to talk about as also surging. Avina Westbrook, huge step-up game, 17 points. AZ Fudd, as always, 13 points, playing very well, double figures there. Aliyah Edwards with 10, Olivia Nelson-Nadota with 10. That's all that those two need to do. The only thing those two need to do game in and game out is put up 10, 12 points. Maybe grab five, six, seven rebounds and they're going to be fine. Those two don't have to anchor the scoring effort, but they got a rebound consistently, which they did. And the way that those two can pass out of the post and display some versatility, that's going to be very huge for UConn moving forward. Same thing with Stanford. Very inside and out kind of team, starting with Cameron Brink, Ashton Prechtel, Haley Jones on the wing at 18. This is a very good Oregon squad, but they've been a little up and down this season. 16 turnovers here in this game. They're still really young. They're still developing. They're not ready right now to uh, compete for a national championship, but They're going to get into the tournament, obviously, and they could win a game or two. I think they have the talent to do so, but it's just about that squad gelling and uh, Sedona Prince getting a little bit more involved as well coming up. And South Carolina, as always, winning, winning, winning. That's all they've done this season. Just one loss on the year to Missouri. Leah Boston, I think at this point, is the front runner for National Player of the Year. 16 points at 12 rebounds here in this win against Tennessee, who They're without Jordan Horston right now. Going to be tough going for them in their upcoming games. Remember, they were ranked fourth in the nation at a point. Now they've fallen all the way to number 16. Iowa got a Saturday win there against Indiana. On Monday, they ended up sweeping them with another win against the Hoosiers, who were ranked, I believe, in the top five in the country. Yeah, they were number five in the nation. And now they're at number 10, probably going to fall even more coming up next week in the poll. And the LSU Tigers a dark horse to maybe go and try to compete for a national championship. They're eighth in the country. Alexis Morris is a really skilled guard on the outside. Hannah Gusters is a really skilled transfer from Baylor, followed Kim Mulkey there to LSU. Just a a lot of talent on that team and a lot of underrated talent. Jalen Cherry is a really good guard in the backcourt as well. And uh, for Florida, good squad. They're going to make the tournament. Great turnaround season for them and just one of the best stories, maybe the best story in women's college basketball this season, but uh, tough loss there. But They're not that far off from other teams there in the SEC, and they've really been one of the best in the conference this year. So definitely excited to see all that happens in college basketball coming up. Those are NCAA women's basketball top five games of the week. We just went over our men's top five as well. Every single week, we have great matchups. It's not hard to put this segment together because we just have so many great games and so many great players to talk about. And we're getting closer again to March Madness. Conference tournaments coming up. NCAA tournament coming up after that. So definitely a lot of great stuff coming up in college basketball. And those are our top five games of the week again in NCAA men's and NCAA women's basketball. So with that, we close out another episode of College Sports Today. Really excited to put together the 17th installment for you. We really enjoyed bringing it to you. As always, we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenoran University, the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, and WLRZ at 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Hill signing off. I'll see you on the next episode. We'll leave you with the prams and don't stress out as always. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.